Hello, welcome back to Learner from a Layman. Carl Christensen joined again by Cameron Christensen and against our better judgment, Tim Cox. Against our better judgment is the name of my biography. <laughs> See, a name of your wife's biography as well. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> uh, uh, Daniel Popper's aid for dinner might be against my better judgment. Oh, jalapeno poppers. Those are good. Yeah, I use habaneros instead of jalapenos. Oh, okay. That's healthy. <laughs> okay, so today we are going to be discussing buying a home. And this is in all phases of buying a home, from the from looking for a home to buy to all the considerations of um, getting a mortgage and closing on the home, and then also whether or not if you are looking into buying a second home or a vacation home and or a rental or investment property. Um, so we'll talk about all the different things that are involved, and um, and so we're going to start obviously with the thing that most of us either are familiar with or will potentially be familiar with in the future, which is buying a first home. Most of us, and that's 90% of us stop there. So that seems to be a good place to start. Um, all right, so we've got on the podcast, so I've bought, I've purchased in my life now two homes. We currently own our home. We owned a home before when I was going to graduate school. And um, Tim has been in a home for, I think approximately what, 120 years now, Tim? Well, it depends on if a dog's measuring or a human. <laughs> what is it now, 14 years? I mean, it's been a while. Ten, ten years. Uh, well, coming up on 11. Okay, yeah. there we go. I was close. And Cameron, while well, he's been by far the most um, familiar with different locations, has, uh, as of yet, not purchased a home, lived in lots of different locations, but no home purchase, as far as I'm aware of. Right, Cameron? Uh, no, no home purchases, but I do feel that I have, have had a very transient life from different houses. Yes, bopped around and quite a bit. More times than I want to admit. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I guess that's, uh, when we talk about buying a home, you are, you are already, one of, one of the considerations is you will be moving uh, if you're buying a first home, and that is a major stressful event, and um, yeah, so... But we're going to leave that out of the discussion because we'll assume that's built into, you know, even if you're renting, that's going to be something you eventually have to do. So let's talk about specifically buying a home. So, Tim, tell us how you picked your home that you live in right now. So I um, it, it, for, for me, I got in contact with a family friend who is a realtor and she already helped, a, you know, a number of family members of mine to get into into you know to buy a home so she uh, you know someone i trusted um you know and uh, knew she would uh, anyways I, I i guess you don't have to know someone personally but you know anyways found a good realtor so that's step one and uh, she helped me to uh, to do a lot of browsing so i uh, i mean you you can always browse on like zillow and stuff or or you know i'm sure there are other websites um, but she, you know, with her kind of realtors, they have more access to information and that kind of thing. So she would send me, I kind of gave her my parameters. I said, okay, I'm looking for something around this price range. Um, and with these specs, you know, this square footage from here to here, this range, you know, this many bedrooms, more or less. 
and had kind of a nice broad range. And then just kind of, I would look at the listings online um, and go through them. And then I would kind of narrow it down to ones that I was really interested in. And then I would get together with her and we would go check them out and, um, and actually went through quite a few, which I, I kind of recommend, um, you know, <laughs> the more you, you go through, I think the, the more you get a feel for what you want, for what you're com- comfortable with. Um, until eventually I found one that just seemed really awesome and at a good price. And so I, I made an offer and the offer came through. So then I went through all the hodgepodge and muddle of actually making the purchase. So okay. anyways, is that what's, uh, what you're yeah. looking for? Yeah. So you stepped in a bunch of things here that, that we're going to spend a little bit of time on here, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the process. Uh, there are obviously various uh, other versions of that that I, I, I'll share a couple of our, my, my experiences, but yeah, that's kind of the normal pattern for finding a home, right? But let's hit some specific things that you that you talked about there. So first, and this is like the order of I think uh, how we think about buying a home, and and first and foremost, I think most of us it's price, right? Um, you can't. Tim might be a high roller, um, <laughs> but most of us have to consider, you know, how much can we afford. Um, and so the price is the first thing that you're going to look at when you're looking at buying a home. Uh, and so you're going to need to look at um, uh, what you can qualify for as far as a mortgage goes. Isn't uh, the rule of thumb, correct me if I'm wrong here, is it like, you know, five times your annual salary or something? Is that kind of the max? I, or I've heard that, yes. Making, okay. Um, generally, what, I mean, unless you're, you're I moving out I could not get a of, house here in Utah. What was that, Cameron? So there's no way I'll be able to get a house here in Utah five times yeah. my. Yeah, it's uh, Utah real estate there. And, um, I'm not even up to $100,000 then. Right. Well, the, uh, the Utah real estate market has gone insane recently. I think a bunch of different real estate markets have gone pretty crazy. But uh, but once again, talking about the mortgage, there's a lot of things to consider even with a, with a with a mortgage beyond just what can I qualify for? So unless you're moving out of your parents' home for the first time and buying a home, which I can't imagine I'd recommend, I don't recommend it. And I can't imagine anyone ever normally does that. Normally what you do is you move out of where and you start renting a place. And so trying to find a home uh, that, that if, and if you're making a specific rent payment and you can make that rent payment, looking for a mortgage that will have a similar payment to what you're currently making for your rental might be a good place to start. Now, if you're getting a new job and moving to a new state, uh, and and then you, then obviously that math changes a little bit, right? You're getting a new job, potentially a pay increase. So then it's um, what I would do is once again just look at what your current finances are. Think, okay, I'm getting an extra five thousand dollars a year. You know, what is that? Uh, every month and how much of that is actually going to be able to go directly to my uh, my my mortgage payment so and then once again don't figure out how much can you qualify for because banks are generally going to give you as uh, if you have good credit it's essentially as it's going to be significantly more than you can actually afford is what you can qualify for um, uh, at least is more than you should afford <laughs> um, the credit that's the key credit certainly matters um, and but, that, that it's kind of funny. Just I'll share a personal experience. My, my experience was kind of the reverse. I was a, a good prospect, um, but I was shopping for a home 
during, you know, right after the financial crisis. And so everything had like tightened up. And so I went to my credit union and they were really picky with me. I finally, you know, went, went to a different bank and, and was able to, but it, you know, there, there's a, seems to have been a yo-yo effect where like all the banks were hurting from all their subprime loans and stuff. And so they tightened it up. It seems to me like now the market is back a lot looser again. And yeah. so, yeah, for sure. And then once again, that, that, um, if you're a first time home buyer, um, I would imagine that, that, yeah, you're going to need to look around a little bit. Don't, and that, that's actually true across the board. If you're getting a mortgage, shop it around. Don't, yeah, there's no need to go with like, yeah, the one bank that you've always banked with, that's fine. Get a, get a quote from them, but get a quote from another, uh, or, or two, make them compete for you, what that's going to do is have a downward pressure on the interest rate and or closing costs or or something along those lines. They'll, and you'll be able to get them to compete for your business. So don't just go with one mortgage quote, go, go with two, go with three. And that'll take you a little extra time. But when you're talking about a 30-year mortgage, it's worth your time. Totally worth it. Yeah. So... Um, now, the, so once again, the the few of the things that are that have some wiggle room when getting a mortgage are your um, interest rate, and right now uh, this is the year 2021 in January, and we're looking at very very historically low uh, interest rates, right? I think they're still somewhere between like two and three quarters, somewhere around two and three quarters uh, percent, and so that's historically low. Um, so it's a really good time to buy as far as the mortgage interest rate is concerned. We'll get back to talking about price of home in just a second, but um, my, my parents tell me the oh sorry, my parents tell me the story about when they bought their first home in the eighties and they were excited to get nine percent as their interest right. rate. They, they thought that was a great deal. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's uh, yeah, that's our the uh, the baby boomer it's generation is yeah, used to like nine, ten percent rates. What was that, Cameron? I saw 2.1 on a billboard that I. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, the lowest I saw it. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen low rates like that. I've seen two and a half. Yeah. Even lower than that. But so you have to be a little careful with those ones. Sometimes they're, they're kind of mm, not as clear cut and, and either they have higher closing costs or points or things like that. So and I'm not use your kneecaps and thumbs as collateral. <laughs> um, Very anyway, just mortgages. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you don't want an adjustable rate mortgage. You want a a fixed rate mortgage. You certainly do not want an adjustable rate mortgage. I don't even know why that's still a thing. That shouldn't be a thing. Don't do that thing. Should should we explain adjustable rate mortgage? Yeah, you want to, Tim, or do you not know what they are? Yeah. Well, if you if you strong arm me into it, mortgage puns are never okay. Okay. No, adjustable rate mortgage just means normally a normal um, loan has a fixed interest rate. So they say over the course of the next 30 years or 15 years, however long it's it's determined, you're going to pay this interest rate, 3%, 4%, whatever. Um, adjustable rate mortgages basically say, we'll give you this really nice low interest rate for the next five years or whatever term. And then it will adjust depending on what the interest rate is. So what, uh, what you saw happen, they, they kind of got famous in the in the um, housing crash in 2008 9 or whatever, people would get these adjustable rate mortgages on homes that were, 
you know, too expensive for them. And um, but the interest rate was low enough that they could manage it. But then after a year or two or whatever, the rates started to go up. Um, they, the rates adjusted and the interest rates start to creep up and all of a sudden they're, they're getting priced out of the house. And so it's kind of a, a in my mind, a, a predatory, um, you know, finance instrument. Right. And certainly caused a lot of damage in the in the last housing crisis. Yep. It's like yep. the reverse so. mortgages that were happening two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, reverse mortgages also a thing. Yep. And if you're not familiar with the reverse mortgage, that idea is if you're, it's generally, it's at least my familiarity with them is if you're elderly and you, you know, you, uh, it's the idea of essentially using, uh, uh, your home as collateral for, and then the bank pays you until you die. And then they own your home when you're dead. Um, is that the idea, right? Yeah, that's pretty much the idea. So you figure guy turns. 55 or 65 67 they're only going to have about 15 years left on their life so they do a reverse mortgage they buy the house back and then they sell for a ridiculous amount more money right so yep so i don't know too much about those but uh, but yeah generally for some uh, reason banks don't have to pay the same things that everyone else has to do so right right really what it comes down to is if you have a lot of money buy a bank or, or something like <laughs> well, that. A, that'll be our next podcast. <laughs> How to buy a bank. <laughs> um, okay, good. Well, let's do, okay, real quick for those of us that can't buy a bank. Um, so once again, mortgage uh, interest rates matter. They matter a lot. So you want a fixed rate and you want a low rate. And right now, like I said, you should be able to negotiate hopefully down to, you know, if uh, two and three quarters, uh, worst, worst case scenario, probably if you have good credit. Now, if you do not, maybe you put off buying a home another year and get that credit score back up, do what you got to do to get that back up, to get qualified for the lower rates, because that matters right that's the percentage interest you're paying so you're essentially if you're getting the higher interest rate you're just opting in to pay more for the house and by more i mean tens of thousands more over the life of the loan um so uh, it's worth you know if you can take another year get that credit rate uh, rating up uh, credit score up then you can get a better down uh interest rate assuming they don't skyrocket in the next year um you can do a podcast on credit score skyrocket next year too yeah, yeah. Should do, what were you saying, Cameron? Uh, I'm thinking that they're going to oh. jump. Um, yeah, they I might. Think we're, I but, think we're going to have a nice little bubble that pops here within within the year. It's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. I couldn't uh, couldn't. It's hard to foresee the future, but it is. I I could certainly see that happening. Um, On that note, Cameron, I I recall thinking the very thing that you were commenting earlier. How am I ever going to afford a house? You know, when I was I was starting to look at property and stuff in 2000, you know, I graduated from college in 2007 and, you know, went into the workforce and saying, OK, I'll start, you know, saving up to buy a house. And and, you know, 2007 and eight things were skyrocketing. And, yeah, there was just no way. But, yeah, you just just wait and be patient and eventually <laughs> things settle down. Yep. Well, now, that, that, here in Utah where, where I live in Utah. Are starting at three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I do believe that there is uh, some bubbly prices uh, in the stock market and in the housing market, and some in some housing markets at least right now. Uh, 
and so you can wait for that to come down a little bit. Here's the thing, though. Over time, generally, prices go up, right? So if you're feeling it's a bubble, and I do believe, like, if you've seen a 100% increase in, the, in real estate prices in the last five years, which is essentially where you're at right now in Utah, you can imagine that's kind of bubbly. That's not like a good, you know, growth market. That's a what the heck just happened here uh, type of market. So, um, yeah, so that's something that... Anyway, we're getting slightly off the the, the uh, okay. Well, anyway. I mean, it's tangentially related, <laughs> but um, okay. Interest rates. The other thing to consider here is if you're buying a home and you have less than ten percent down, you're going to be uh, looking at mortgage insurance. Okay, um, is it ten percent? It's ten percent, right? Can anyone 10%. confirm? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's ten. I don't recall. Okay, well, well let's uh, say it's ten percent. We try to be the guy that has bought the house. I think it's ten percent. <laughs> I feel like it's ten percent, but it's some percentage. If it's not ten, it's fifteen. Anyway, somewhere in there. If you don't have that percent down, you're looking at mortgage insurance, and essentially that's just the banks once again eking more money out of you to cover their own investment, their own risk on you. So if you so with an FHA loan, so that's a Federal Housing Authority loan, you can put as little as three point five percent down on a home and get a mortgage to buy that home. Now, um, so then Timehauser, at... it's federal. I thought it was federal. Yeah. That was first. Well, that's also a thing, but the FHA, I believe, is the Federal Housing Association or Administration. Uh -huh. I don't know. Um, so, so I need to start playing the lottery so I can get that ten percent down. Is that what yeah. we're saying? So generally, when I bought my first house, I did not have ten percent down. I, I mean, I we had three point five percent with by the skin of our teeth down, and um, and so that was fine, but then you have mortgage insurance. Um, now, mortgage insurance is uh, some percentage of the loan, I believe. And mortgage insurance can go away over uh, when, when you have a certain percent of the house paid off. Uh, depending on the terms of the loan and whether or not you need to refinance uh, is a question. Um, so, uh, for example, so what I did when I bought this house that I'm currently in, um, I wasn't quite at 10% uh, of the of the price of this home that I needed that I bought uh, that I currently live in in California uh, when I purchased, and so we're looking at getting mortgage insurance. But I think I was pretty close. And when I was talking, I was getting some quotes for mortgages. I had the option of at the time we we're looking at about a, a three and a half percent interest rate. This is about four four years ago, um, and so I was saying, okay, like that's. Um, what can I do to get rid of that mortgage insurance? And they said, well, you know, either you can pay and it'll probably be off in here in five or seven years, or we can bump up your interest rate by uh, 0.125. So it was, instead of three and a half, it was going to be 3.625. And we'll, and that then we'll get rid of the mortgage, uh, the mortgage insurance and just have a higher interest rate. Um, now what that meant is, Right away, I had lower payments, but then mortgage insurance will go away. The highest, higher interest rate will not over the life of the loan, right? And so it's got a bit of a gamble. Um, so I took the uh, higher interest rate to not have mortgage insurance with the assumption that I'd either uh, sell the home within 30 years, and uh, you know, if I sold it within 15 years, I was going to make uh, that would be a good return on my investment, uh, or I could refinance, which is what I ended up doing this last year when our when the interest rates were dropping. So uh, anyway, mortgage insurance, something to consider. Um, and, and there are different things that you can, different games you can play essentially with the mortgage lenders in order to get that um, 
either down or, or removed or whatever. So look into it when you're getting a mortgage. All right, so that's enough about mortgages for now because it's, well, it's a very important part of buying a home. It's also lame. It's far more fun looking at the home and deciding on what home you want to buy. So that's the price part of it. Um, if you look on Zillow, um, there is a Zestimate um, for homes. I assume if you if you found this podcast, you're probably pretty t- uh, savvy as far as looking on the internet and things like that. The Zestimate is essentially, uh, so once again, this is something you can look up and maybe you already have. Uh, it's, a, it's a computer model of, of trying to figure out what the, Zillow has this algorithm that it uses in order to find, figure out what they believe the home is worth. And they've gotten it significantly fine-tuned over the last couple of years, and it's pretty good. Um, and so people generally, if you're going to show a home or if you're going to buy a home, I, when I've, and I've done both, people men, mention that number. They're like, oh, Zillow has it at this. Um, why is it higher? Or, you know, what do you, so, so it's something to be aware of and then try to figure out how, uh, how that's influenced. Um, so, and then another thing to consider when you're looking at prices of homes is property tax. Now, Tim, Arizona ta- uh, property tax, are they reasonable? Next to yours, they are. <laughs> well, actually, California is not horrendous. Now, let's, those of our listeners in Illinois will know what horrendous really means. <laughs> uh, you're yeah, talking our, like two and a half percent property tax. So, as a, uh, I would suspect Matt has a fairly high property tax. Yeah, that's possible. East Coast, yeah, you would expect. But but you know it's it's still you know for a typical home property tax going to be you know uh, thousands of dollars you know yep. here in Arizona I've got a um, a home that values at around three hundred thousand dollars and is I'm paying I think two thousand somewhere in the neighborhood of two thousand five hundred a year okay so that yeah. that is part of, part of the price of owning a home you pay taxes yep. on its value. Yeah, and, and so once and part it, of the reason why I hate that uh, my property value is going up because you know <laughs> no, unless so, you're planning on selling, it's a, it just means more money out of your pocket. Okay, so that's then that varies by state. How how property tax now property taxes generally in all states go up over time. But for example, in California, your property tax your your uh, the value of your home um, as determined by the, the 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 state does not go up actually with the market. Um, it kind of just sits there. So you buy a home at a particular price that sets the property value and it will not significantly change uh, until you either uh, sell that home or or something other major happens. Um, And so that's, for example, in San Diego, and I'm familiar with the real estate market down there as well, people that have owned their home for now, let's say 40 years, and, and got into the San Diego real estate market back when homes in San Diego were like 150,000 as opposed to now 1.5 million. Um, so if, if I have a coworker that uh, his parents are in that situation, if they just write into their will or whatever, if they just write the, the property over to him directly, no change in property taxes, no reevaluation of property value, and so he inherit, inherits that lower property tax rate. Um, so there are different games you can play with that as well, and it's important when you're looking at buying a home online, the property taxes on Zillow are often not exactly right. 
and they could be significantly higher than what it says there or significantly lower, um, they kind of go on a best guess for the area as opposed to actually looking it up in a county record. They are available in county records. Um, every county keeps it, and I believe pretty every county in the United States at least is online these days. So you can literally just look up a property um, as far as what their what their property tax is. So that's something worth doing if you're looking at, especially if you're moving to a new state and you have no idea. Like I said, Illinois I know is astronomical. Like if you have a three hundred thousand dollar home in uh, Illinois, for for example, we I used to live we used to live in Rockford. Um, I believe if you live, live in a $300,000 home and in, in, uh, you're paying something like $10,000 a year in property tax. Um, Ouch. Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's truly crazy. Uh, and it's not like Illinois is otherwise a low tax state. They're not. I don't know how they're mismanaging that, but that is what it is. So California is not cheap, but it's not insane like, um, uh, like Illinois might be or maybe, maybe some other eastern states that I'm not familiar with. So... Um, okay, that's taxes, that's property tax. Um, we could talk about a couple other things, but let's move on. A couple other things you talked about is size, so bedrooms, square feet, um, garage. Uh, so a bunch of things, and these are things. So once again, obviously everyone knows, and they're, they're buying a home in this, this is a, the, the the calculus um, where you have to determine what's right for you and your your spouse or your family, and figure out. You know what? Um, what? Uh, what? What size do we need? So, um, garage. I highly recommend. Highly Cheaper. recommend. What? That's is only one percent. Oh wow! There you go. Um, I highly recommend a garage. Um, even in Southern California, you need a garage. Not uh, for storage, if nothing else. And we don't keep our our garage stuffed with things. Um, in Southern California, we don't have to worry about the weather as much to protect our cars, but we do have to, like, store bikes, for example, uh, boxes, Christmas boxes, stuff like that. And while we are, I like to think we're pretty organized as far as that goes, if you do not have a garage, then you have to buy, like, a shed and put it in the back or something. You just, just not enough storage room if you're going to live in that home for another 20 years or 30 years or whatever, and you don't have a garage, you just start running out of space. Tim, I've seen your garage. You you need your garage, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bethany's saying, for our ping pong table, which is true. We have a ping pong table in there. True. Yeah, um, I was just saying, if you live in a home for a long time and you don't have a garage, which I've had, I haven't had this exact experience. So we rented a home in San Diego for a while that it did have a garage, but it was literally exactly the size of our two cars. <laughs> and so, I mean, like we barely could close the garage door and we had to because we didn't, the parking, if we didn't park them in the garage, there wasn't like, then it was like catch as catch can around, around the, the, uh, the, the neighborhood and that was our, insane yeah. so we had to get our cars in the garage which was fine we could the problem was then the amount of space that we had for storage was approximately two feet uh mm -hmm. and, and because we were renting we couldn't just go ahead and put up a bunch of shelving and stuff like that and so um so yeah it was uh, when we buy a home make sure there's a garage <laughs> Uh, and yeah, like, Carl, just to add, we, yeah, you, you think about all the random things you, you need to store, some of which don't store well in your carpeted house, you know, like you mentioned bikes, um, we have strollers, um, 
sports equipment. Um, my, and my wife does like preschool stuff. So she stores like a lot of her, um, you know, materials and whatnot. So, I mean, there's always something. Right. Um, Honestly, yeah, I, 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 um, compromise more on square footage than I would on on storage uh, like on a garage because like I said we I lived um, when we first moved to San Diego in a three-story townhome that had I don't remember what the square footage was like 1200 square feet or something like that and it was a family we at the time we were a family of four and that was fine actually that was not a problem and we and because but it was fine because we had a garage that was bigger and so we had more storage space in the garage. Uh, as when we moved to this other home, that actually had a bigger square footage, um, but the garage was tiny. All of a sudden, we started uh, running into these storage issues. So um, something to consider. Uh, let's move on to home, so like uh, location. So location obviously is very important when buying a home. Cameron, you uh, so you rent right now, but you live. A little ways away from your your job, right? <laughs> uh, I do live a bit away. So from when my you... job, I'm I'm just yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you miss the property rate that you were paying, the property tax? What do I miss it? And you were living here in Utah. <laughs> I honestly don't it's... even remember what it was. I'm sure I miss it. I miss a mortgage payment that I made. Orem in Utah City as well. property tax is point zero zero nine two two five zero. <laughs> uh, so yeah, honestly, I don't even remember. Less than one percent. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, I, I, it was not a big part. I can tell you that, but it's, it is not insignificant here in California. But it's nothing to. I honestly don't think about it that much here. It's just not. It's not as bad as some other places. So, um, okay. So, Cameron, you I live just, about half I an just, hour away from uh, your. That's really small. But yeah, no, I, I live yeah, about a half hour. And well, when I originally moved here, I was actually more like 45 minutes from the place I worked. And then I moved to a different place or yeah, I moved jobs to slightly closer place. So, right. Yeah. So you, yeah. Um, and, and you're about, uh, and I did that essentially what the commute that you have uh, for your work is about what I did for four years in San Diego. It is about the edge of what I'm comfortable doing. And obviously different people have different comfort levels as far as a commute goes. But when buying a home, you certainly have to take that into consideration, right? Obviously when you rent, it's also consideration, but it's generally more short term when you rent. And so you think, okay, I could do this for a couple of years as opposed to I could do this for 20 years, uh, which is or 30 or however long you might own that home. So it, proximity to your job matters greatly. It also matters, you know, how close you are to family or friends, uh, whether or not you want to live a long ways away from those people or uh, have them close. Uh, also things to think about. Um, the other things to consider and things that I didn't consider as much when I was buying a home either time, actually noise. So we currently, I love our home that we live in um, with one exception. We back back on a busy road. Um, it's not crazy busy. It's not a freeway. It's not even like a major high, but it's, it's a busy enough road that like we get some noise and for all the rest of my house that I love, that bothers me, right? Um, 
so that is something to consider and something I hadn't thought about too much. It is often priced into homes that if you can, if that's okay with you, and it, it honestly is okay with me, and this is, um, then it's usually like a some percentage, like a half percent lower than it would be that the home price would be if if it were not you know close to something that's noisy. So uh, if you're okay with that and you just want a nice home, then that can be a way to find a discount as well. You're like, okay, this is noisy. Um, then there's proximity to shopping, and then a big one obviously is resaleability. So if you're looking around for a home. And you're thinking, okay, like um, I could live here. I like I like some of this. It's a little quirky. It's a little old. This this is weird, but I, I like it. I I could buy this. Well, then you have to wonder to yourself, okay, like, am I just that kind of quirky? And if I buy this and then I need to move out here in a couple of years, am I going to have to try to sell this for two years before somebody my kind of quirky comes along to buy this? You know what I mean? Um, uh, thoughts yes, about that? I get what you're saying. Same same thing if you're doing this and building your house. Like if you build it, you know, you're selling it, right? Work up a little bit there, but yes. I would yes. Say if you build a house, if you build it too unique, you might have right. a hard time reselling it. That is true. Tim, you had thoughts? Um, yeah, you, you just have to kind of. It's almost like you're you're doing a math equation and you're asking yourself, you know, what um, what you're willing to spend and what you're willing to give up. I, I think you'll find with every every time you buy a home that you're you're giving something up. You're always going to be saying, "I like it, except for this," and just you know, yeah, have have a care for what the except fors are, and um, yeah, and yeah, they- don't, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say this is if you if you want to learn more about multivariate calculus, go back to our podcast about that. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> and one one other tip about those considerations. A lot of times it's helpful to to ruminate um, and give it some time. Okay, one that's important painful, thing. <laughs> that's right. If you have a four chambered stomach, then <laughs> but. But no, what, one important thing when you're shopping for a house is to not uh, not rush the process and not rush yourself. Um, you, if you're you're buying something on a menu uh, at a restaurant, you can do an impulse buy, and worst case scenario, you have one uncomfortable meal. Um, with with buying a house, you know this is a, a huge life decision. You know, a, a level below, but. Um, you know, getting up there towards things like marriage and that kind of thing, and in, in which it, it has an impact on the rest of your life. Um, and, and so get, give it time, always sleep on it. And sometimes you're if you're in a situation where there's a a salesperson, you know, at, at the at the model home unit or whatever, or an eager um, realtor or perhaps an eager spouse who is. Um, kind of pushing things along and you're not comfortable with it, you have to be able to just step back and say, no, I need some time. Um, I actually have a little bit of experience with this. I was, um, when I was shopping for a house, I found a nice house um, that looked really good and checked a lot of my boxes. And so I actually started the paperwork on it and um, hadn't signed everything, but I had started the process. It was kind of one of those where it's like, it'll, you know, if uh, if you want to 
you cancel it, you can within 24 hours kind of thing, something like that. And I slept on it and I felt terrible about it. It was uh, just, I was very uncomfortable about the whole thing and did not feel good about it. And so the next day I, I uh, pulled out, I canceled everything and, um, and it, yeah, ended up not buying that house. Um, so anyways, give yourself the space to make that decision if you need to. That's one of my biggest recommendations. Never rush. If someone's rushing you, then that's a big red flag. And, and they're uh, Russian? Da, <laughs> comrade. Yes. Like, in Yakutsk. Okay. It's a good thing we don't have any Russians. So, Tim, you, you didn't want any, you didn't want 10 years of bad meals. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's right. What What are you talking about? I love borscht. The Tim, this is of course, and again, no, not rushing is also Tim's like life motto. Um, so. <laughs> and right. being frugal. And being frugal. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, for sure, you don't want to jump into a home um, without being um, sure about it. Like I said, there's always going to be something where you're like, okay, we can live with that. But once again. If you can live with it, make sure that someone else can live with it, whether or not be your, yeah, your spouse or whomever, uh, but uh, also whether or not, what can I resale this, re resell this in the future? Do, am I opting myself into something that nobody else would ever want to buy from me? Um, so. And never fool yourself into thinking, oh, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. If, you know, we can't miss this. Uh, you know, if, if someone buys it out from under you while you're considering, you know, you know what, <laughs> there's going to be other houses out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, one scenario, let me give you one example of, of a, what actually turned into quite a good investment that was, uh, my brother-in-law bought a home there in uh, Orem, Utah, um, back when the housing market was at a pretty, pretty low point and he got into a home that was essentially just garbage. It had been a, it had been an illegal puppy mill, um, where they'd stored, I mean, probably 30 or 40 dogs. Um, and it smelled like it and it looked like it. And it was just a nightmarish, crazy, I, he had to get a building loan, um, to get to, like you couldn't, wouldn't qualify for like a normal mortgage. Now they do have different types of ways to get into these types of things, but it takes more work. And my brother-in-law was willing to do that. Um, and he got it for a pretty good price. I don't remember exactly what the number was, um, but because it was a, just a piece of garbage, like nobody wanted that hole. It smelled like dog vomit and all kinds of just, I mean, it was horrendous. Um, and they, my brother-in-law, well, my brother-in-laws, so the one that purchased it and his brothers and my father-in-law, and I, I went over and helped every once in a while for the next two years, we're just fixing it up, um, on the weekends on whenever they had time. And it went from just this disgusting heck hole to what is, uh, a, now a very nice livable, you can't smell a whiff of dog. You would have no idea that that had ever been the scenario. Um, and the home price is now easily doubled from what they bought a debt. Now that was 10 years ago, but, um, uh, that is a scenario where, you know, he's gotten himself a quite a, a good investment. Now he had to put some a sweat equity into it though. So, um, but that's if you have the time and the uh, gumption to do that, then maybe that's your, uh, you know, you can fl flip homes. Um, then you, then you don't need our advice here. So, but um, 
Okay, well, a couple other things to consider when buying a home, home the age of the home. As homes age, it is true that the, you know real estate over time will increase in value. It's generally an appreciating asset. However, the, the parts of the home depreciate in value, right? Your air conditioning unit has a lifespan. Um, so, you know, 15 years or whatever it is, uh, 20 years after you've got an AC unit put in, um, it will kick the bucket and you will have to be um, installing a new one, which can be thousands of dollars. So things to consider if you buy a home that's 15 years old and they say, oh yeah, the AC units are, you know, original like okay well then you can kind of plan in the next five years we probably have to put a new ac unit in uh, uh hot water heater um that's once again a consideration like okay how old is this because when those things spring a leak you got a problem um the wiring in the home uh the roof um you know the flooring I, everything in the home Thanks. except it, what was that oh sorry sinks yeah yeah right so yeah each, each uh, for, and all homeowners that might be listening to uh, uh, this podcast are now laughing to themselves because they know that that's just things just break and it's like you know it's this and that and this and that so the the price of a home is not just the mortgage price it's also the the ongoing maintenance costs of, of maintaining that home um so it is uh, something also to consider when you're getting a home is what 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 short you know what what's coming up here very quickly that i'm going to need to have the funds for uh in order to uh to be able to live in this home so um and then obviously just the, the amenities so uh when we moved in this uh this area in southern california my wife said we need to have a pool um and pools can be they're pretty pretty common here in the area that i live in uh, but they obviously cost quite a bit. Uh, they add to the home value quite a bit, but they're actually even more expensive to install. So I had to know going in that it's significantly easier to buy a home that already had a pool than go into a home that didn't and then buy a pool. Because not only does it cost a lot to put in a pool, it's also the case that then obviously you're not going to roll that into your mortgage, or at least not quite as easily. So um, just... The things to consider once again is um, how how what how does that affect the the price and the, uh, the decisions that you make as far as what you're purchasing. So, okay, um, we could talk about closing costs, things to consider, escrow, title, insurance, all things. You should you should shop your insurance around. I don't think it's usually worth your time to shop your title and escrow around. Those are other just parts of the closing or uh, buying a home. You can. Most places will tell you that you can, and maybe you could save $100, but it's probably not worth the time and headache it would be for you to do it. Now, insurance is a recurring cost, though, right? So your home insurance is something you should shop. Uh, consider what your risk, what, why do you have home insurance? Like, for example, I have home insurance in case my house burns down, not so I can make a claim if my kid accidentally puts a hole in the carpet, right? That's not something I'm going to put a home insurance claim in on. Um, and so it, my deductible for my home insurance is quite high because all I want it for really is fire insurance or some major, like a tornado hitting my home, which would be wild in Southern California. But, um, and, and earthquakes are not giant covered. rat that eats through your water line. Well, that did happen, but <laughs> we, we caught that. Very likely. 
<laughs> uh, that did happen, didn't you know that, right, Tim? A uh, rat did eat my water line. So, um, oh, I, I didn't know about the water line. I knew about the rats, but uh, yeah, sounds like yeah. they have a number of escapades. Yeah, until we crush their little. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> That'll be our next fights. podcast. Yeah. Killing. Um, okay, so that is some of my home first home buying uh, advice. Uh, some things to consider. Uh, Cameron, you're looking at buying a home maybe in the night in the in the future. Any questions or Tim, any additional advice? Um, I feel like thing. I want to build my own home. Okay, there are things to consider. I don't know them quite as well, but I can mention a couple things. Tim, uh, before I do that. Oh well, no. Go ahead and do that, and then I'll I'll sign off on my last thing. Okay, so buying a home. Or sorry, building a home. I have a, I've had a few friends that do that. Are you talking like a custom home or like? Um, so right now, I know in Utah there's a bunch of like subdivisions that are building a home, and you can go in and buy a floor plan, and then they build that. Is that what you're talking about? Um, not so much the floor plan, because me and my wife have more of a vision of what we would like okay. to have. Sure. Like a double basement that's sloped in one area or a double basement in one area that's sloped so we could have like a movie theater room, stuff like that. Sure, sure. That would be awesome. And I say go for it if you can do it. Um, I, Deb, my wife and I have, my wife Debbie and I have talked about it before. Uh, we obviously have not done, done it. And at this point, it's, I mean, unless something changes, we won't. But um, I know that in Utah, I don't think it's quite as bad. I know in California, building your own home is like a, a headache upon a headache upon a headache. Like I've had a friend that I used to go running with uh, that is a real estate agent. So he he's in the space and he said, look, I know people that buy land trying to build a home. And he said, two years later, they might, might uh, be you know, nearing completion, best case scenario. Um, and, and with additional costs all over the place. Like I said, I think it's easier in places like California. I know it's easier in places like Texas, from what I've heard. Um, sorry, did I say easier in California? It's either in Utah. And, um, but there are a lot of things to consider. You have to pay for plans. You have to pay yeah. for There's a lot of things that add up quickly as far as your additional home costs. Um, so yeah, if it's if it's you guys' dream and you can do it, I say go for it. I think it's awesome. Um, but uh, certainly things to consider as far as what new new construction also comes, even if it's your own custom plans. Um, you know, they're, they're, these people are still trying to make a uh, profit. And so sometimes they'll cut some corners and you'll get some bad plumbing. And then you have to deal with that as soon as you move in or just issues like that where, you know, if the home's been there for 10 years, those things have already been ironed out. So I know bad plumbing. <laughs> One of the toilets in my hotel has hot water plumbed to it. Nice. So is that is, is that <laughs> where they that room takes uh, a bath in the toilet? Uh, no, no. But occasionally we get guests that call down and complain, like there's hot water in the toilet. How would they know that? Well, sometimes you flush <laughs> the toilet when you're sitting on it, and it will okay. splash on you. Well, that's what they want you to or, think. I mean, what kind of or when things yes. enter the toilet, sometimes there's splash that comes back. So. Okay. Unsuspicious. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Uh, Tim, before we move on to vacation homes and second homes, briefly. Yeah. And just, I, I've read 
some people writing on this topic and questioning the received wisdom of, you know, the path to happiness and stability is through a, um, through owning your own home. And, um, and so I just thought I'd, I'd mention that, you know, while our underlying assumption here is, yeah, you should buy a home. Um, there, there are other ways, you know, there's more than one way to, um, to, um, skin a rat or saver. But anyways, um, so for example, you might consider the fact that, um, while a, a home can be considered an investment where you're, you know, you, you hope to get a return on your money, uh, that's not necessarily always been the case historically. And you can look at the, you know, the many people who have bought at, uh, you know, at peaks of, of the home market cycle who have not seen a return on their investment. And I would even, I would even wonder if, you know, people buying right now should not expect to see a lot of return on their investment. You know, you just have to wonder how, how much higher the market sure. can go from, and, you know, no one can predict it's could, it could go higher, but you know, you just don't want to necessarily look at your home. If you're buying a home because you want to see your investment increase, and that's the only reason, then you probably want to question whether you should be buying a home. Um, yeah. I, in my mind, good reasons to buy a home would be, um, aside from putting your money in a, in a relatively safe place, um, lifestyle value. So it, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I knew that I wanted to, you know, have a stable location. Um, and you know, I've got, it's a place where my, my kids can go play in the yard a bit and, you know, and have space to play inside and so forth. And so that has value to me independent of whether my home is returning a profit to me money wise. Um, so if, uh, if I didn't have that in the calculus, it might be wiser for me to put my, my money in, in, you know, long-term investments, uh, yeah, which, I, oh, sorry. Sorry. One of the consideration not to, you can continue to say, but the other thing that, um, the, your, your mortgage interest is a tax write-off. Just, oh, uh, nice. So something well, to be considered. And, so, and Tim, the, uh, oh, sorry, Cameron, go for it. Uh, I was going to say, so you're saying either, you know, find some of the perks about your your house or you should have invested in GameStop. Is that basically what you're saying? I really regret not buying GameStop like a week ago. <laughs> I would, should have sold my house, sunk it all in GameStop. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, over the this month, it's had what a thousand percent increase, something, something like that. I think it's more than that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But yeah. To, so to finish to finish my thought, basically, just you know, and, and this is especially true if you live in a, a high property value environment. If I'm if I'm living in the New York, if I have a job in the New York City suburb, you know, um, urban area. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to look at not buying a house, but instead renting. Um, if I have a job in, say, you know, rural New Mexico, then maybe it's a lot easier to get a hold of a home. So just don't don't uh, get locked into the mindset of I have to have a house to be happy. Look at your situation, 
And if it works, then there's the right way to go about it. If it's not, you know, there's lots of ways to, to do things. Yeah, a big, a big, uh, obviously, a, a carrot at the end of the stick. I don't know if that's the right analogy. Anyway, a good, uh, <laughs> a motivating reason to buy a home beyond, just, yeah, I'm, because in the near term, it might not be a good investment. If you stay in it a long time, like Tim said, stability-wise, uh, you know, 30 years from now, if you get a 30-year mortgage, you no longer have a payment, at least not, I mean, you still have your property tax and your homeowner's insurance, but that's it, right? You won't have... Um, HOA fees for another one. Right. So uh, that's... that's yeah. Instead of paying, you know, a couple thousand dollars every month, right. you pay maybe $4,000 over a the year. course of the year. Right, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So that would be a reason to, to purchase a home. And um, they are, like Tim said, it's hard to know for sure if you're going to appreciate. Generally, over time, homes appreciate. But you're right. If you buy it in a bubble, you lose your job, you lose the house. That's Then, obviously, that's that turned out to be a bad investment, though you didn't know it at the time. So it's got to be prudent. And and make to, add, to add one more thing and not to be too alarmist, but you, you do hear pundits now, um, you know, musing about the fact that a whole bunch of baby boomers, you know, properties in the next 20 to 30 years will be, you know, going up for sale or, or whatever. And so, you know, you, you, again, you can't, you can't predict what's going to happen in the future, but you, you wonder, you know, will that be a, a, um, a pressure, a downward pressure on, on price and, and property value or not? Who knows? Yeah, and there are a lot of different trends you can look at. This is the multivariate calculus thing, right? So if you live in Southern California, are people moving out? Or are they moving in? Uh, is is that if if it's a moving out trend, is it short? Do people generally like to live where it's good weather? Yes. Do people like to live where there's high taxes? No. So you know different things to consider. Um, and so just like I said, it's a multivariate calculus. You sit down, take some time to figure out what your what your algorithm what your formula looks like so that you can solve your home owned uh, home purchasing problem oh, you, so you can optimize that for yourself so okay let's move on real quick here to vacation home and uh, and or a second home uh, um, and a rental home these are things i found out relatively recently so about what was it two weeks ago i uh something piqued my interest I, i've been interested in rental properties for a while the idea of renting or buying a, a home and renting it out and making money off of that, while the, well, ideally that your uh, the home that you own is appreciating in value, and while you're also making money off of it by renting it out. Um, there's a lot of things to consider there, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But that's something that obviously I'm I'm familiar with, um, and and I've heard people do it, and it seemed to turn out well frequently, not all the time, but frequently. Um, so, but that's, you need 20% down. You need to know the area. There's property management costs involved. There's maintenance costs. There's a lot of, so you need to have some money on hand and then also just know that you're going to be comfortable enough that come what may, you're going to be able to handle it and, and, and weather a storm if a year or two things aren't going well, that in the next year, five years after that, maybe you, you make a good return on your investment. Um, but that wasn't that's not exactly where my place is in my my life right now with my family and our finances to be able to just chuck 20 percent at, at a home that i'm uh, that i know much about uh, and so instead uh, last two weeks or a week and a half two weeks ago i found out that a vacation home 
a second home, the, the rules about that have, have been updated, I think even recently, um, as far as taxes go. Um, and so, and those are, di are different rules. So a rental home, you have to have 20% down uh, in order for a, a, a bank to give you a mortgage to buy a, a rental home. Obviously, if you have cash, then why are you listening to us? Find a different podcast, all right? Um, we're talking to people that need mortgages. Um, but vac a vacation home or a second home uh, is not viewed in the same light by uh, by you know banks and, and uh, mortgage companies. Essentially, you can buy a, uh, a vacation home for only 10% down. Now, you can't get like a normal FHA loan. It needs to be a conventional loan, um, which means you need to have that 10% down. But that's all you need. You don't need 20% down. Um, for a rental property, the mortgage rate, uh, interest rate is higher. It's about, from what I've heard, anywhere between a half and three quarters points higher for, the, for that loan. So you're going to be paying more. Where a vacation home, the, the mortgage interest rate um, is approximately what it is for a first home. Um, so at least close, maybe a quarter of a point higher, but not, not a, a huge amount higher. Um, so the interest rate's lower. Um, and there are some rules beyond the, those rules as far as uh, a, a second home has to be at least 50 miles. I believe it's 50 miles away from where you currently live. They don't want you buying a vacation home in the same city that you live in because that's not actually a vacation home and they'll know that. Um, they, they And often to get a vacation rent uh, home purchase approved, a mortgage approved, uh, they'll like to see that it has some type of vacation amenities. Either it's close to the water, or it's close to skiing, it's it's got some something there that actually tells them that you're not just trying to pull the wool over their eyes uh, and buy just an investment property with only 10% down. Um, but if you can find something like that, uh, then all of a sudden the requirements are significantly less than a rental home. Now, here are the other caveats, though. Um, you can't rent it out, obviously. It's um, the whole year round. Uh, this is the t for mortgage purposes and for tax purposes, you can only rent it out half of the year. But you can rent it out half of the year. Um, and if you rent it out half of the year and you're making money off of that and, and enough either to cover or at least uh, subsidize the other half of the year, maybe that's, and you like the idea of owning a second home, maybe that maybe that's something that you want to do. Um, now there are, once again, mortgage, the, the, when you are getting a mortgage for a second home, they want to verify your income quite well and they want to see some savings beyond just the down payment. Um, so I've heard even as much as like six months worth of savings to make the payments on the home beyond just the closing costs. So uh, there's you have to have some money. But if you're thinking about buying a second home, generally you've got some money. Um, and so the, the upsides are that you can count some of the mortgage interest can count towards a tax deduction. A tax deduction. Uh, like I said, you can rent it out. So you can Airbnb it on the weekends and make some money. Um, and then the only requirement as far as it being a second home is you have to be at that home personally, all right, personal days for, I believe it's 15 days a year. Now, the nice thing about that personal use days is it actually doesn't have to be you personally. It just has to be either someone uh, like a family or a friend or anyone that you do not charge a market rate for your uh, for, to use your home. So it's pretty flexible, actually. Um, so if you get that home, you rent it out, uh, and then 
you know, it turns out that year you can't go. If you can get a friend or even someone in the neighborhood, just be like, hey, good, could you crash at my house for a couple of weeks for free? Then you've uh, you've satisfied that uh, that requirement. Um, something also I learned when doing this research is that uh, vacation. So I've wanted this before as well, as far as like, OK, I get a, a mortgage for my home. I'm there for a few years. I'm now going to move out of state, but I want to use this home as a um, rental property or something like that. Can I just flip this into a rental property without changing the mortgage? Because I bought it as a as a for, first uh, first time home buyer or my first home, and so my my interest rates lower. Uh, but I'm not going to be using it that way anymore. My understanding, and this is me uh, giving the caveat of do some more research if you want to be 100% certain before going out and doing this. My understanding is that as long as you've used that home for at least a year uh, for the purpose for which you purchased it, the bank has nothing to say. The bank can't take any mortgage fraud action against you or anything like that as long as it was used for the pur purpose that you bought it for for at least a year. Um, then you can do whatever you want with it. So let's say you buy a vacation home, you you spend you know two three weeks in it one year, and then you're like, actually, that's not going to work out. And then you just rent it out year round going forward. Apparently, from what I've heard, that's not mortgage fraud, and the and the bank will have nothing to say about it. Now that does change your tax status. All of a sudden, the tax laws about it are different, but uh, it's a way to potentially get in a home uh, and and. You know, if you're buying a vacation home, generally that's you want to be able to vacation there. But if um, it's it's something to consider as far as uh, being able to afford a second home. Um, so let's see the other things about the rental home to consider and even a vacation home. Uh, you're going to have property management, uh, even for a vacation home, you're going to need someone to take care of it when you're not there uh, and that and then just maintenance. Um, and then, you know, if you're trying to rent out a home or if it's a vacation home, you're trying to Airbnb it, ask yourself who goes to this location and how often, what are the, what are the occupancy rates um, in, in this area for Airbnbs or rentals? You know, how often do people rent out homes in this area? Um, and what, you know, how much would I be making enough to cover the costs? Um, so, so this is not usually most people's scenario. Most people don't own two homes, or, but if you're looking into it as an investment uh, strategy, it, it can work. Uh, just know that you need more than what you think you need uh, in order to, to fund that. And, and it can be a headache if you don't just go in knowing I'm going to get property management to take care of this for me. So I don't have to think about it that much. It'll still be a concern, but um, uh, one that you don't have to deal with on a daily basis. So. Uh, Tim or Cameron, thoughts about that before we wrap up? Well, my experience um, with my vacation homes in Hawaii and Colorado has been that... Um, they pay you a lot as a teacher, don't they? <laughs> well, it's my, um, it's my side business of um, selling extra credit points to uh, junior high school students. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you teaching junior high in like uh, some like uh, the Beverly Hills neighborhood or something? <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, online teaching. Yeah, it's all over. It's uh, I just give them my PayPal and uh, there you go. <laughs> right. They pay you in um, um, IOUs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> No, yeah, on uh, so seriously, yeah, no, nothing to add. I have no experience in this regard. Maybe, maybe someday when I sell right. my movie rights. <laughs> Cameron, 
I was going to say, if you want to get on a vacation rental and want to spend a fun, you know, a nice relaxing or fun weekend in Vegas, you can find yourself a, a nice way to really discount your trip by doing some stuff like that. That's true. Yeah, those are also ta- tax write-offs. If you own a property in a location, then you can get a tax write-off. I, it's at least once, maybe twice a year going to check in on that property. So yeah, if you go to Vegas or LA once a year or twice a year and you can buy a vacation home or rental property there, then your your trip there is all of a sudden a tax write-off as long as you visit your property for you know a split second that, to check that in. That is exactly what I was saying. I meant like yeah. a lot of the vacation rental places will give you like a free night and stuff for you to come and listen to their lecture on how you should give them money. Oh, oh, those are like timeshare stuff, right? Same thing. Well, they're different slightly, but uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't know much about that. So I'm just um, you. It's basically the same thing. You put some money in, you can go spend a week or two there. You get a share of the profits. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's some similar ideas there. I mean, you don't own a property. You don't have the mortgage per se, but yeah, I mean, there might be some some similarities there. Yeah. Um, a lot of nice hotels and um, resort areas also do the same thing. You can buy right. into, uh, right. buy a, a room and then sell it. And... Yep. Yeah. And I've made use of that as a consumer before, actually. I had, we, my wife and I went to Cancun here a few years ago and we purchased from a guy that was, that had, yeah, some type of this membership somewhere and and he was just essentially flipping it and turning it into a rental and worked for us it was slightly cheaper than we could get anywhere else and and he got some type of profit off of it and so win-win win-win one other thing before we finish up here um mortgage payments and this is something i was going to mention earlier and this is holds across obviously all these different first home vacation home rental home um right now at the interest rate that we're at, two and a half, or even where I was a few years ago, three and a half, uh, that's your interest rate, right? And so if you want to pay off your property quicker uh, so that um, you're working again, you're going to, that's interest rate working against you. It's at three and a half percent. So you're paying off quicker so that you don't have that interest rate working against you. However, the flip side of that is if you take that money that you're going to throw into your house to pay it off quicker and invest it or do something else that has a return of greater than three and a half percent, all of a sudden, you know, as far as investment goes, um, your the investment's going to give you a better return than a um, than actually sinking money to pay your house off quicker. Now there are some upsides to paying off your house quicker still, though. Um, as far as uh, you know, just that that mortgage, the the bank is never going to say, actually, this month only one percent, please. Uh, we're only going to take one percent. Whereas a normal investment, you have no particular guarantee that you're going to get a return on that. But the bank, the mortgage is guaranteed that they're going to get their investment on you. Um, and so, as far as just certainty that you're going to get a three and a half percent return, or now, but now it's only two and a half percent, right? So that's barely above inflation. Um, you can probably find a better investment somewhere uh, to put your money yeah. in. So um, is it probably worthwhile to, to put your money elsewhere? But Tim, oh, I was going to say yeah, and and, and there is it, it's hard to um, hard to fight that argument. Um, the the only other reason I can really think of why yeah, it's a good idea to 
pay off your house sooner is um, uh, discretionary, uh, in, not, not discretionary income, but but li- liquid funds. Uh, your investments are illiquid, and so you can't uh, you can't do anything with them. You can't use them to, um, you know, if you use them to say, um, you know, buy a car or pay for education or other things, you know, they're no longer investments. And, and, and anyways, a lot of them, like if it's a Roth IRA, you're going to incur a fee if you try to pull them out. So um, anyways, that's one of the reasons why I'm paying off my house faster than the minimum is. I know that once I do, I'll be able to, you know, with, with my family, I'll be able to better fund, you know, expenses of schooling, um, education, and, um, you know, other things too, we'll take them on a vacation. We'll have that option because, you know, we don't have all of my income locked up in a, in a monthly payment on the house. So, right. yeah, I'm never going to tell anyone not to pay off a loan early. I do think it is worth considering it though, as far as, you know, um, when we refinanced, I was thinking, okay, we refinanced at a rate that if we continued paying the exact same mortgage payment that we'd been ma- making before my refinance, we would actually pay off the new refinance 30-year mortgage sooner uh, than if we didn't, um, if we if we just went with a new payment, if that makes sense. Anyway, um, that, if, that if we didn't refinance, whatever. That was very confusing. Essentially, I was saying that uh, we could we were going to pay off the home quicker with the same payment with the new, new refinance loan. Uh, then right. I talked to my brother-in-law. He's like, well, you could. Go for it if you want. But he said, you could also just have that money to use for your family and or invest and then only put money towards your house when that suits you as opposed to trying to make sure that every month you make an extra payment or whatever. Um, and so I've opted into to invest money sometimes in, in the stock market and things like that, which so far has given me a good return, though uh, we'll see if that holds um, <laughs> in the next few months. So. It probably, probably best bottom line is diversify, you know, yeah. pay, pay yep. extra on your home loan. Don't get crazy on it. Save some yep. of that money and put it in investments that diversify your portfolio. Portfolio. Yep. Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, this has been a long podcast, but it's a good one. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the people found this useful. Um, and thank you, Tim and Cameron, and we will wrap it up here. Please join us again next time.